is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well... Some fascinating bit of activity by Mr. Mueller's office. I guess you've heard about it by now. But what do you really know about it? We'll have my buddy Andy McCarthy on here in about 20 minutes. But before we bring Andy on, let me take a whack at this. According to Mr. Mueller and his gang of radical leftists, 16 or so, massive office of prosecutors, this is the best they can do. They brought 12 counts against Paul Manafort and some guy named Gates, who worked with Manafort apparently, Richard Gates. Now, we'll go through this. I will I'll go through it with McCarthy and all, and I think it's very, very important that you listen to this program today. But as a beginning matter... What's fascinating to me about this is, this is routine United States attorney work. The United States attorney for Washington, D.C. brings charges about money laundering and all these other things. Really, they aren't many things at all. Conspiracy against the United States, which sounds like they're spies, which of course they aren't. Failure to report bank accounts, uh, which in the past have not resulted in criminal charges. I say, say, we'll get into this. But when did most of this occur? It occurred 2006 through 2014. 2006 through 2014. Robert Mueller was the FBI director from 2001 to 2013. So much of what Mr. Mueller is charging today occurred while Mr. Mueller was the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Which leads to the obvious question to me. If in fact these horrific criminal conspiracies and and the rest were taking place from 2006 to 2014... And Mr. Mueller was the FBI director from 2001 to 2013. Where was Mr. Mueller when he was the FBI director? Most of this occurred on Barack Obama's watch. Where was the United States attorney for the District of Columbia? These are not special counsel investigative activities. These are routine white-collar crime or criminal activities, but in this case involving involving foreign countries. Where was the law enforcement apparatus under Barack Obama while this was taking place? We are told that the FBI had a beat on this for several years. The FBI had a beat on this since 2014. Isn't this what we're hearing in reports today? Yes. Who the hell was President of the United States in 2014? Who the hell was the FBI Director in 2014? James Comey. Who was his immediate predecessor when most of these allegations actually occurred? Robert Mueller. Where was the Democrat Obama-appointed United States Attorney for the District of Columbia? 
As a matter of fact, where was the Attorney General of the United States, Eric Holder? Where was his successor? Another Obama appointee, Loretta Lynch. Where was she? You understand my point here, ladies and gentlemen. These are not Russia collusion allegations, crimes, and so forth and so on. These are, I know it sounds weird, to the extent they're garden variety criminal allegations, because some of this stuff is really puffery. Some of this stuff is really BS. Overcharging, double charging for the same allegation, the same alleged offense. As McCarthy points out in National Review, and if you read the uh, indictment, you can see it yourself. And I'm no special pleader for Paul Manafort. I would never have hired Paul Manafort. I don't even know why they did. It doesn't matter. That's not what matters to me, whether I know the guy or not. And I don't. What matters to me is right and wrong, good and evil, justice and injustice. And the way the reporting is taking place right now, it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. They don't give a fraction of this attention to what Hillary Clinton and the DNC did with the dossier, which I believe, and I've said now for months, served as a significant reason for a special counsel in the first place, which Mr. Comey and the FBI used to politicize their activities that took place. They don't give an ounce of coverage like they do here to the uranium transfer. 20% of America's uranium is now controlled by the Russians. I mean, this, this used to be considered treason. The Democrats said it was treason when Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting. But when it comes to the actual transfer of control over 20% of America's uranium, when Bill Clinton's getting a half a million dollar speaking uh, uh, fee from Russians, Adam uh, Schiffless is blind to it. The clowns at CNN are blind to it. The clowns at MSNBC are blind to it. Same with NBC and ABC and CBS. But I'm asking a question that I consider very, very important. If in fact, if in fact, Mr. Manafort and Mr. Gates committed these offenses, they committed these offenses during the course, most of the time, during the Obama administration. When Mr. Mueller was the FBI director and later Mr. Comey was the FBI director. When Mr. Holder was the Attorney General, when Ms. Lynch followed him as Attorney General, when they controlled the United States Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., when they controlled the Internal Revenue Service, how can it possibly be that only now, with Mr. Mueller and 16 liberal Democrat prosecutors, that only now they've uncovered the crime of the century? That's question number one, or a series of questions under heading number one. Number two, what the hell does this have to do with Russian collusion? You would think if Mr. Mueller and his 16, what, his 16 hacks, if they had anything on Russian collusion, anything, they wouldn't need to throw all the mud against the wall in order to try and get Manafort to buckle. They wouldn't need anyone to buckle. We've been told now for almost a year as a fact, as, a, as, as an unequivocal fact, that there was collusion between the Russians and Trump world, right? Where is that in any of the indictments today? Even this guy, Papadopoulos, or whatever his name is, I'll get to him later. George Papadopoulos. 
There's no direct allegation of collusion with Trump and the Trump campaign. This is, some, this is, this is a guy who's a climber who's trying to make things happen and failed, was rejected by the Trump campaign. Now, when you listen to the media, particularly the Democrats, well, they're one and the same. The, the media are the mouthpiece for the uh, Democrats, the Praetorian Guard. When you listen to them, they're now claiming that this guy, George uh, Papadopoulos, who, who uh, confessed to a false statement, which is about the lowest hanging fruit on the felony tree. Now we have absolute evidence of Russian collusion in the Trump campaign. Where is that charge? What is that charge? Three men. Two indicted and they, and they are fighting these charges. They went into court today and they asserted their innocence and they're going to fight their charges, at least for now. Another man copped the plea earlier in October. Three men targeted by this prosecutor and not one example of actual collusion between Trump world, Trump campaign, Donald Trump, the Trump kids, and, 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 and that whole world, and the Russians. Nothing. Well, you know, uh, this is typical. Uh, what, what, what they do here, the prosecutor, they, you know, they're going to just throw everything they can at Manafort and get him to buckle and turn on Trump. I have no doubt that's their intention. But you should take note today that when push came to shove, this prosecutor went into federal court with nothing. With zero. Zero. Went into federal court with zero. Russian collusion. And keep in mind, open-ended budget, open-ended subject matter, even though it's not supposed to be. He's roaming the countryside looking for anything he can get. He's using, in my view, police state tactics, which are totally unnecessary, Going into somebody's home at 6 a.m., FBI guns drawn, waking up, Manafort and his wife spending 10 hours in their 1,600 square foot condominium. And point three, there's nothing new here. These are events that took place 2014 and before. None of this took place when he was campaign manager for Donald Trump. None of it. None of it. Zilch. What were they doing for 10 hours in his condominium for 1,600? You know, it was 1,600. They come up with old stuff. And let me tell you something else. You don't need to break into somebody's house to get their bank records. When the FBI comes knocking and they have a subpoena or a warrant, the banks turn everything over. They don't fight. They have no reason to fight. They got nothing out of his condominium. You realize that? For 10 hours, they got nothing. Nothing. Nothing they couldn't have gotten the usual way, the old-fashioned way. They have bank records. They have tax records. They have access to the tax records already. They got access to the bank records. What the hell did they get out of his condominium? Nothing for those police state tech. The entire intention was to humiliate and pressure. Number four. When a federal judge puts charges under seal, counts, indictment counts under seal, and leaks come out of the prosecutor's office, that's contempt of court. 
It's not just contempt of court. There's two types, civil contempt and criminal contempt. That is criminal contempt of court. As a matter of fact, that could be considered obstruction of justice. Did Muster Muller leak this information to the New York Times? Did one of his surrogates, one of his hacks, one of the 16 prosecutors, read that New York Times article very carefully. It says somebody in the know. And we're also told in the reporting that's been taking place that Manafort did not know it was him. So the New York Times knows before Manafort knows, before Gates knows. Is this the kind of country you folks want? Is this the kind of way prosecutors are supposed to conduct themselves? Look, if Manafort's guilty, he's going to pay a price. He's going to pay a price. And they're bringing it in a, in a district that will be extremely hostile to anybody associated with Trump. Because in the District of Columbia, what do they vote? 112% against Trump or something like that. I don't know. These prosecutors are playing every single angle they possibly can. Every angle they can. So that's my initial take on this. I know it's different. That's why you listen to me. I'll be right back. Mark You know, the media really should be at a loss to understand what's taking place here. And the media really should be in Mr. Mueller's face, asking him, you know, Mr. Mueller, so much of this occurred when you were actually the director of the FBI. Why did you fail to act then? Now, a special counsel, you're going back to the period of time when you failed to act, for the most part. As special prosecutor, you're going back. Why didn't you and the IRS act on it back then? As a matter of fact, you could make the case that if these are criminal activities, legitimately charged, and if a jury does find them to be so, the statute of limitation has run on a number of years of these activities as a result of Mr. Mueller's failure to do anything about them. Listen to me clearly. You're not going to hear this on these news programs because they're adults or they're ideologues or they're cutting jokes. If these are serious charges, the statute of limitations would have legitimately run out on the earlier years that they're talking about with respect to the conspiracy charge. And as McCarthy points out in his piece in National Review, one of the reasons they bring this conspiracy is to try and dredge up those that have been lost during the statute of limitations as examples of a pattern of conspiracy and conduct. What I'm saying is that means somebody dropped the ball, right? If, in fact, these are legitimate charges, criminal charges, you lost several years under the statute of limitations, because Mr. Mueller is the FBI director, the IRS, the attorney general at the time, the following attorney general, failed to act. Failed to act. Well, how would they have known? What do you mean? How do you know in any case, right? You look at, you look at tax returns. They had his tax returns. They had both of the Manafort and Gates tax returns. They, they had his travel records. You have to get a visa, don't you? 
travel to Ukraine and so forth? I mean, a uh, passport, passport. So there were a lot of ways to put this together. The FBI has the means. So this is remarkable to me. Absolutely remarkable to me. And this case, if it is this case, is a United States attorney case. It's not a special counsel case. And furthermore, Donald Trump had nothing to do with any of this. This predates his campaign. This predates his announcement that he's running for president of the United States. There's no Donald Trump world involved in any of this. Mr. Mueller, with your tens of millions of dollars, and you, and your crack hacks, this is the best you could do? Now you're going to try and pressure these guys to flip? What does that mean, to flip what? Let me tell you what it means. He wants to destroy these men... So right before they jump into their own graves, they concoct stories against the president, his family, or his campaign. This isn't about justice. This isn't about seeking the truth. It's not about Manafort and Gates and this other guy. This is about doing everything possible to make a case against the president of the United States when you don't have a case against the president of the United States. I'll be right back. Liberty's voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, at times like this, I really rely on two people. Myself and my buddy, Andrew McCarthy. Long history of being a federal prosecutor. Brilliant writer. Good buddy of mine. I bet he's in great demand today. Andy, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, Andy McCarthy, what are the two main areas of charges in this uh, case involving Manafort and Gates? Uh, one of them is uh, basically foreign bank accounts and the and the failure to make disclosures that are required if you have money going if you're an American citizen who has money going through foreign bank accounts, and the other is money laundering. Now, these failures to disclose. What you're supposed to disclose as a matter of course that you that you have these accounts and foreign dealings and as well as on your tax returns, right? Right. I, I think of a mark as like the um, the foreign version of the structuring laws that we we hear about often. You know, on the the ten thousand dollar limits. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So here, what you're talking about is if you're an American citizen and you have any interest or stake in a foreign bank account, and there's at some time during the calendar year more than $10,000 in that account, you have to disclose the existence of the account uh, to the Treasury Department, and when you file your tax return, you have to also uh, acknowledge it and fill out some information about it. How many people do you know are sitting in federal prison as a result of violating that? Uh, in 20 years, I never prosecuted it. You never, you never prosecuted it, and you were a prosecutor with a may. What, who, what's U.S. Which U.S. Attorney's Office were you attached to? Where was it? The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, Southern District, or as, or as we like to call it, the Sovereign District of New York. Right. So you weren't in some podunk district. This is this is where a lot of financial activity takes place, Manhattan. Right. No. Right. And I did a lot of 
money laundering cases. So it's not a it's not a statute that's uh, that's trotted out a great deal. But it's trotted out here. What do you make of that? Well, in and of itself, that wouldn't um, wouldn't trouble me too much unless they were able to show that you know there's a real selective prosecution going on going on here. I I'm not ready to go there yet, but. Um, I, I, but but I, you haven't which, seen one in 20 years. You didn't bring one. Correct, but I didn't have the facts that uh, that would have suggested one. Uh, and is it typical, taking your example, your mm-hmm. experience, is it typical that they would no, bring I, a federal charge or federal charges over this? Uh Mark, I, I I don't think so, but I you know I'm not I haven't looked right. into it enough to know whether they like for example the foreign if you want to talk about the the aspect of the scheme that goes to registering as a foreign agent yeah I think that's something they've brought like four or maybe six times in the last twenty years or something mm-hmm. um, that's something they never ever bring and the reason for that is. There's often a lot of ambiguity about whether you actually have to register or not. So the Justice Department's normal procedure is they try to to cajole you into registering, not to indict you for not registering. So I, I'm comfortable saying that that's highly unusual to make a felony case out of that. Let's get to the money laundering point. You know, I seem to remember years ago we talked about money laundering and the underlying, you know, use yeah. of money. I forget what the case was, but remind everybody what's down, Yeah. Go ahead. It was the case down in Texas. That's you what it was. They, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Remind everybody the, what's involved here. Yeah, I think it was Tom Delay if I'm you know You know what? You're right. Person. Yeah. So Here's the thing that confuses You know what? You're scary with your memory. I'm glad you're not a prosecutor anymore, and I'm not a defendant. Right, go ahead. <laughs> um, if, if the, the tricky thing with money laundering is you can do a lot of sinister-looking stuff with money that isn't money laundering because the, pro, the, the money has to be criminal in the first place before you start moving it around. It's got to be derived from criminal activity before it's money laundering. So if you get money legitimately and then you start to move it around through a bunch of different accounts and, uh, you know, change the form of it by purchasing assets and the like, it can look like money laundering because that's the kind of stuff that money launderers do. But if you, if you haven't started from Jump Street with the proposition that the, the cash you're talking about uh, is actually criminally derived proceeds, then you don't have a money laundering case. Because, is, is, isn't that rational? Because basically you can pretty much do, within, within certain limits, what you want with your own money. I mean, you earned it. It's your money. And there's really nothing to hide. Correct. Right. The only reason these laws are even uh, in effect is because of things like drug trafficking and, and you know, mafia-type racketeering. The, the government understands that the best way to prove those cases, or one of the best ways, is to show the money trail, so they make you formulate a money trail. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if you come about your money legitimately, uh, that there's any problem with you moving it around however you choose to move it around. You just have to comply with these regulations. Is the other than being understood to be part, and the, the critical element of money laundering charge, is there anything in this indictment that, factually provides information that the money was criminally obtained? 
I don't think so, Mark. And, and here's where here's where I think they're uh, kind of confusing the issue. I think we can all agree that this faction in Ukraine that Manafort did political consulting for, uh, which was backed by the Kremlin, and we have, there's no doubt that that's true, uh, was an unsavory group. And they may have come about their money in all kinds of unsavory ways, but that wouldn't have made it illegal for Manafort to take even prodigious amounts of money for, from them for political consulting work. Um, now, what they make a big deal about in the indictment is that there's $75 million here over a, over a period of years. I agree that's a tremendous sum of money, but if you're going to make a money laundering case out of it, you have to prove in the first instance that he came about it as ill-gotten gains. And I'm just not I'm not satisfied that they prove that. And what they try to do here, it seems to me, is bootstrap something they say he did do. And I think they got pr probably pretty good evidence of that. He didn't register as a foreign agent for this faction. Um, and what they're trying to do is bootstrap that into making the actual money that he earned while he wasn't registered criminal proceeds. I don't think it works that way. I think the money can still be legitimate, and he's committed a crime by not registering, but I don't think the not registering makes the money illegitimate, if I'm being clear on that. Well, you are. But in this indictment, is he accused of not paying federal taxes on this money? No, that's a very interesting point. There's no tax evasion charge. Uh, in this indictment. And, you know, I've been scratching my head all day about why that is. Um, now, it could be, I don't pretend to be a tax expert, it could be something to do with the nature of the foreign payment of the money and how it was received. But having been at the Justice Department for a long time, I suspect that what's going on here is that they need a sign-off from tax division in the Justice Department to bring tax evasion charges and there may even be some confusion because Mueller is supposed to be quasi-independent, whether he's um, whether he falls under the requirement that the Justice Department's tax division approve any tax charges. But or it could be paid taxes. Uh, I suppose so. Although there's a there's a pretty strong suggestion in the paragraph in count two that lays out the money laundering count that there's an evasion of taxes. But you're quite right. They didn't formally accuse him of it, so we don't know. Let me ask you another question. These alleged offenses occurred before 2014 and before. Is that correct? Some of them? Yes. They, they lay it out in the indictment, Mark, as tw 2006 through 2016, but the main charges we're talking about here are from 2006 to 2014. Who was the FBI director? from um, 2001 to, two, to 2013. That would have been Robert Mueller. Who was the United States attorney in Washington, D.C.? Wouldn't that be an Obama appointee? Uh, from uh, I, I prior to 2014, it would have been an Obama appointee. Yeah, from 2009 forward, yes. The attorney general, Obama appointee? Right. Both of them, right? Yeah, of course. The, the IRS commissioner, Obama appointee? Yes. So it took a special counsel to uncover the crimes of the century and to bring this case? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is the, the, the unfortunate thing, which I wrote about in my column today. I mean, you can 
depends on how you feel about Manafort, whether you think it's fortunate or unfortunate. But I'm pretty confident that he never, ever gets charged if he hadn't come to people's attention by attaching himself to the uh, to the Trump campaign. This never comes to light. This never, ever gets charged. And that goes to the idea that it's not the crime of the century. I don't mean to minimize it. It may be there may be crimes here, but, you know, I just think. They're a little bit overstated, from what I can see in this. And story. Donald Trump, his connection to any of these charges is zilch. Yeah, his. The, I think he's just a derivative or, or or indirect figure here, Mark. It seems to me that we've known since they did this pre-dawn raid on Manafort's Virginia residence back in July that they're squeezing him to try to get to Trump. Um, so this is another step in that process. But if you just look at the four corners of the charges. They have utterly nothing to do with Trump, with the 2016 campaign, with uh, Russian interference in the election. None of it. I mean, this isn't really special counsel stuff, is it? This is U.S. attorney stuff. And and, and, and let me ask you this question, too, then. Um, where do they go from here? I guess they, there's a few other people they might try and squeeze and so forth, but... Don't you think if they actually had something on quote-unquote collusion, something on Trump or something like that, they would have provided it? You know what the best example of that is, Mark? The other case that got brought today. Let's talk about that quickly. Yeah, go ahead. If you're a prosecutor, your dream is to get an accomplice witness, a cooperating witness, to plead guilty to the big scheme that you're trying to establish. Because once you get one guy to come into court and say, I did it, that means you've established the existence of the scheme, and you're 90% of the way toward proving that other people who dealt with this guy are also guilty, right? So that's what you want as a prosecutor. You're always looking for the right cooperator to plead guilty. They have this guy who comes in. He's got, like, lots of collusion evidence, right? He's dealing with this Russian and that Russian. Supposedly they're offering him. We're telling them there's all this information, dirt they have on Hillary Clinton. What does Mueller make him plead to? One count of false statements to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Now, why does he make him plead guilty to that? Because collusion is not a crime. Mm-hmm. If it was a crime, they'd have had this guy plead and he'd be exhibit A of you know, the collusion case. Instead, they make him plead to a false statements count because all this stuff that they're churning, while it may show some concerted activity by some players in Trump world and, and some players who, are, who have Kremlin connections, None of it rises to the level of a violation of the criminal law. And if it did, Mueller would have made Papadopoulos plead guilty to it. You know, Andy McCarthy, they use this word collusion like it's an antitrust case, you know? And and as you've pointed out, and I've tried to point out behind this microphone, there's no such thing as the crime of collusion with a campaign and a foreign government and that sort of thing. So we really have a special counsel who who exists based on a fiction do we not we have yes based on uh, based on a fiction that collusion without conspiracy to violate a particular criminal law is somehow the, the business of prosecutors and also by virtue of the failure of the justice department to set the parameters of Mueller's jurisdiction by defining specifically what offenses he had jurisdiction to investigate you think this investigation is going to go on and on and on? You think it'll be done in a year? What, what's your gut feeling? 
I think they go on for a long time. And I think, Mark, we've talked about this before. By virtue of the fact that the Justice Department didn't set limits to his jurisdiction and gave him a mandate to do basically a counterintelligence investigation about Russia, counterintelligence is just the collection of information. So if you don't set firm parameters around offenses to be proved and you're just gathering information, that could go on forever. And he didn't get six, he didn't hire 16 lawyers to wrap right. it up with a with a with a false statements plea. And uh, which public official failed to put this special counsel in an appropriate box? Uh, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein. Rosenstein, that's right. All right, Andy McCarthy, your input is superb, and we always appreciate it, buddy. Th- thanks so much, Mark. Great to talk to you. You too. God bless. And we shall return. A couple of these charges are double charges. They're charged twice. False statements charged in, under one category and under another category. That's double jeopardy. You can't do that. So that's why he points out in his piece, among other reasons, he believes that these charges, some of them are overcharged. And I have to say, is this the best they can really do to dig up old financial situations involving Manafort and this guy Gates and and then have this guy um, uh, Papadopoulos um, plead to a false statement? If they had the guy on collusion which in and of itself is not a crime. But if there was some underlying crime, like you collude, basically conspire with a foreign government to commit a crime, which is not the case here, well, then you charge them with the crime. Not a false statement. So you got three guys, two charged, one pled, pleads, no Russian collusion charged, no underlying Russian collusion crime, uh, Nothing related to Trump or Trump world in any significant way that I can see. And the media are going nuts because the media are nuts. More on that in a minute. With the recent credit bureau breach, one of the common questions is, should I freeze my credit? Unfortunately, taking this step won't protect you against every identity fraud threat arising from this data breach. Hackers got access to social security numbers, birth dates, an unspecified amount of driver's license numbers, Now, they can use this type of personal information to commit crimes in your name and even steal from your 401k. Now's the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats. will alert you if your information is being used. And if there's a problem, one of their agents will actually work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock does the best job of all. LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. In either case, use promo code LEVIN, that's LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Again, 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Save 10% now by using promo code LEVIN. And this guy, uh, it, it is hilarious because the media are hanging on George Papadopoulos. Wasn't he in Steinfeld or something? Anyway, uh, George Papadopoulos. 
this guy is he's he's not a serious player. He's not a principal in the campaign. Uh, he's a climber, pretty much. I'm not trying to attack him. I'm just making the point. Um, so they're they're clinging to this. They're they're glomming onto this guy who pled to a false statement. He didn't plead to any type of collusion crime, such as it is. He wasn't charged with any kind of collusion crime, such as it is. But the Democrats are so desperate. Here they have Fusion GPS, the the dossier, the Kremlin involvement. Hey, look, that's opposition research. That's the problem with that. But everything else on Trump world is collusion, criminal, and so forth. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We're here in the Florida bunker tonight. How are we sounding, everybody? Sound pretty good? Well, CNN, CNN, which uh, which is not a news network, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, it's sort of Pravda, the Russians' Pravda, or Tosk, if you prefer. I don't know what they're upset about the Russians for. They conduct themselves the same way as their media. And uh, among the top ten of the worst of the worst would be Jim Acosta at CNN, who is trying to get his own show, much like Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the Cuomos, finally got his own show. And by the way, the ratings stink. The ratings stink. Uh, here's CNN's Jim Acosta to, uh, uh, to Sanders, to Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the White House press briefing today, and he's focused on George Papadopoulos. Go. How can you uh, describe uh, Mr. Papadopoulos as having a limited role when there's a, there's a photograph of Mr. Papadopoulos sitting at a table with... Uh, stop, stop, stop. There are photographs of these people sitting with everybody all the time. All the time. Is that evidence of something? I mean, this is absolutely crazy, but go ahead. Thousands of photographs with millions of people. And, so uh, he was also cited by then candidate Trump in a meeting with the Washington Post as to who is uh, top. See, if Mr. Acosta uh, had been a real reporter, he would be asking Mr. Mueller, "I don't understand your charge here of false statements. If there's collusion with the Russians, why aren't you charging him with some kind of criminal statute related to collusion with the Russians? Why did you let him, quote unquote, get off with?" A false statement, one charge, which he pled to. But the media, there's a number of problems with the media. Number one, many in the media hate America. Number two, many in the media are basically Democrats dressed up as fake journalists. Number three, many in the media are truly stupid. They're in the negative IQ category, as far as I'm concerned. And number four, even those who erstwhile were rather intelligent and sober Unlike John Boehner, I'll get to him in hour three, by the way. Um, they just, they, they've lost it over Trump. They can't control themselves. Go ahead. 
advisors are. That seems to fight against what you're saying. And also, how is it not collusion when George Papadopoulos is in contact with various people who are promising dirt on Hillary Clinton? Well, Mr. Acosta, if it's collusion, how come your wonderful prosecutor didn't charge him with anything related to collusion? You jerk. Don't you get it? No, you don't get it. You don't care. Funny thing is, I'm not even the defense lawyer for these guys. For Manafort, for Gates, Papadopoulos. But if you're going to say there's collusion here, why wouldn't Mueller then bring a charge related to collusion? In other words, some kind of underlying crime. But he did not. Go ahead. Uh, a series of events that closely mirrors what occurred with the president's own son. This individual was on a... In, in pursuit of information that was damaging Now, Mr. Acosta now has to hit below the belt. It reminds him of what took place with his own son, Don Jr. Was that collusion, too? No, it wasn't collusion at all. Mr. Acosta has absolutely no interest in the collusion between the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, Mark Elias, uh, Christopher Steele, and the Kremlin, which is laid out in black and white. None. Go ahead. Clintons. How is all of that not collusion? Look, uh, this individual was... How is all that not collusion? Well, I'll tell you, dummy, how that's not all collusion. The prosecutor looked at it, and there's no collusion. Go ahead. Volunteer advisory council that met one time over the course of a year, uh, and he was part of a list that was read out in the Washington Post. I'd hardly call that some sort of uh, regular advisor, or as you want to, you know, push that he's uh, like a senior member of the staff. It's uh, he was not paid by the campaign. He was a volunteer on a, again, a council that met once. Right. But let's pretend he's head of the DNC, or let's pretend he's running the. Hillary Clinton campaign. Let's pretend they pour millions and millions of dollars into a uh, law firm with this guy, Mark Elias, to wash the money, launder, if you will, the money through him. He's the bag man, and the money goes to Fusion GPS. They then hire Christopher Steele, a British ex-spy, who then cavorts with, gets information from, and then regurgitates it, the Kremlin. What does Jim Acosta think about that? Jim? Oh, silence. Then we have Mark Warner. Mark Warner is a fraud. The people of Virginia keep electing this fraud because I think they feel sorry for him. Mark Warner is a fraud. And he's the Democrat ranking member on the Senate Intelligence Committee. The problem is the Republican chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee is a fraud. His name is Richard Burr. He's as dumb as a doorknob. Anyway, cut five, go. Papadopoulos is direct evidence that someone with the campaign was being contacted by Russians with information that they had lots of so-called dirt that included emails on Hillary Clinton. Stop. Another idiot. So now we have senators who were begging for a special counsel, right? Alleging collusion when even Mr. Mueller couldn't prove, from a criminal perspective, collusion. They find this guy who's the lowest step on the ladder. He's a volunteer. Look at this. We have collusion. 
He doesn't care about the uranium situation, Warner. What the hell? Just because, you know, Vlad got 20% of America's uranium, what's the big deal? Yeah, there's no collusion there, Mark. Or the DNC and the Hillary campaign were paying, you know, were washing through various levels so they, their fingerprints wouldn't be on it, but they were on it. Uh, money to get information from the Kremlin, disinformation that was used in part for the dossier, which in turn was used in part to get a special counsel who, bring back the circle, in fact hasn't brought any charges related to collusion. But that doesn't stop a guy like Warner. A guy like Warner. But wait until you hear what this idiot from CNN asks him. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, do you, does it feed the collusion narrative, or is this so the jury still out on that? So, 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 dummy says uh, this uh, a pretend reporter says, uh, does it feed the collusion narrative, or is the jury still out on that? Does what feed the collusion narrative? That a guy pleaded to a false statement. That a guy was 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 puffing up his his ability to connect the Trump campaign. With the Russians, and in fact, the Trump campaign got nothing from the Russians. Whereas the Hillary campaign and the FBI got stuff from the Russians. Disinformation, but have used it to a fairly well. Go ahead. I think there's more questions to be answered. Oh, more questions. We need a special counsel to investigate Mr. Patadopoulos. We need more investigations, more criminal investigations... The bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, you know what the bottom line is. What They want to impeach Trump. That's the bottom line. They want to, to effect a coup. Tom Steyer, their billionaire sugar daddy, has said, you don't support impeachment, I don't support you. And he's spreading around millions of dollars for impeachment. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one. So this is what Mark Warner is all about. He's part of the fifth column. Mark, what's that? Google it. He's part of the fifth column. Go ahead. We continue to see evidence. Now, shut up, you idiot. You know what, Mr. Producer? Let's reach out and touch someone. Let's reach out and touch Mr. Warner, obviously with a polyester glove. But or what is it, nylon glove? Well, whatever it is, rubber glove. Let's have Mr. Warner on the program. Let's invite him on the program, tell him we want to discuss. Try it this way. Mr. Warner, you've made a very, very strong case for direct evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Mark would like to explore that with you. Would you ask them that? We're on it. Good. Unfortunately, they know who I am. But let's give it the best. You never know. It could be one of their 13-year-old you know, staffers who answer the phone, pass it along, you know, Probably busy happy hour in Mark Warner's office. Make sure you try it late in the evening, Mr. Producer. Probably drunk. Yeah, put it in there. They'll probably misspell my name, and then we can get Warner. Anyway, Warner's a coward. He will not come on the program. He's an absolute coward. He'll talk to Manu Raju, the CNN uh, reporter, but he won't speak to me because he's a coward and he's a liar. Now we have Jackie Spear. Another coward and liar. That's right, Jackie, a coward and a liar. And she's on with another great CNN reporter, Brooke Baldwin. I never heard of Brooke Baldwin until about two months ago. But she's the uh, she's the Walter Cronkite of CNN, if you will. 
Jackie Spears, a congressman from California. Cut six, go. So are you saying, to your point about the president once running a small family business and had his fingers in everything, he knew what was going on, are you saying that you think the president was aware of this? Now, now that has to be the dumbest question of modern times. You see, he ran a business, so he must be aware of what took place here. Which, by the way, is not a crime. Collusion. Go ahead. I believe he was aware. All right, well, that's it. Jackie Spear believes he was aware. Case closed. Case closed. President has to resign. Jackie Spear. Jackie Spear has concluded that the president was aware. To Brooke Baldwin, of all people, over there at CNN. So the president's dumb. Now, I have a better one. Let's go to Adam Schiffless. Adam Schiffless, who we all know is the Solomon of our times. Absolutely objective. Here we have a nobody Congress idiot who's on show after show after show. And you can see where the media are coming from. Because they use this clown as as a mouthpiece to push his agenda. Not Devin Nunes, who's helped break some of this. No, Adam Schiffless. He's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. Cut seven, go. Well, the most significant thing to me is that Christopher Steele may have found out, even before our own intelligence agencies, that the Russians were, in fact, aiming to help Donald Trump in the election. Now, this is very clever. Now, this idiot is saying, he meets with his staff, he says, I have, I have an idea, he says, no, so that, let's turn this on Trump. Hillary's involved, her campaign's involved, uh, uh, Wasserman Schultz's involved, uh, the DNC's involved, our, uh, our straw man Elias and our favorite law firm's involved, and we, we got uh, Fusion GPS, and what we're going to say here is, that dossier was actually good. The Russians figured this out before we did. Is he not clever or what? Go ahead. Has now been borne out by ample evidence uh, from not only from uh, individual sources, but also from uh, the social media campaign, for example, very demonstrably pro-Trump, uh, anti-Clinton. Hey, dummy, dummy. I'm talking to you, Schiffless, dummy. Who gave 20% of America's uranium to the Russians? It really, It's really this simple. Lady. You know, this one went with this one, and that one said this, and this one waved... Oh, he waved to the Russians, and uh, I think he bumped shoulders with this guy. May have sat next to him on a bus. But who gave 20% of America's uranium to Vladimir Putin? Obama, Hillary, Holder, the Democrats, the Democrats, the Democrats gave 20% of America's uranium to the Russians. This is all nonsense. This is all a fraud. That's the bottom line. Cut eight, go. Well, here's, I think, the significance of who paid for Fusion GPS. Uh, we've known for really a long time that it began as a uh, Republican effort. It was later picked up by the Democrats. So none of that is all that surprising. Uh, I think that is a factor to be considered in weighing the credibility of what Fusion GPS produced, who was paying Should for it. Oh, the credibility of Fusion GPS. Not the fact that Fusion GPS, once the Democrats picked up the ball and ran with it, worked indirectly with the Russians and the Kremlin. Now, this guy is the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee. So when you put him together with Mark Warner, you have an IQ of about four. We'll be right back. 
said earlier, ladies and gentlemen, what is missing from all today's news about these three men, Manafort, Gates, and Papadopoulos? What's missing? Russian collusion. Russian collusion. Now, you need to understand something. I know you do, but apparently the media chooses to have very selective understanding and memory of this stuff. The prosecutor in their charging papers, has put forward the best foot he possibly can. He writes these for the judge, or she. They write these for the media. Because they meet, they know, in particularly in a case like this, with high publicity, that the media will consume them. This is the strongest foot so far that they've put forward in these three cases. It's weak. It's very weak. It's weak as to the specific charges. I'm not saying these guys won't be found, well, one pled guilty for false statements. I'm not saying the other two won't be found guilty of something. It's going to, you know, it's very difficult to defend yourself if you have ties to Trump in a jurisdiction that voted overwhelmingly against Trump. It's just very difficult. But all that aside, we, the citizens, looking at this spectacle going on, you have a special counsel who was appointed ostensibly to investigate the connection between Trump and the Trump campaign and Russian collusion. Collusion meaning Trump or his surrogates schemed with the Russians to do something criminal. Criminal. A conspiracy of sorts. This is the best foot Mueller could put forward right now. His money laundering allegations, his false statement allegations. He even uses a a uh, a heading for one of the second sections. Right? What was it? Conspiracy against the United States? Something of that sort. Well, you could say that about any federal, any alleged federal crime that it's a conspiracy against the United States. The reason he uses a heading like that is he wants you to think these guys are, are like way. That's the crime of the century. You know, it's like it's like uh, some 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 offense, some intelligence offense, some you know something that's just blown the roof off the country. Conspiracy against the United States. That's a heading that he chooses to put in his papers. He can put whatever heading he wants. He's free to do that. So they, these, prosecutor, these prosecutorial documents, it's the strongest expression of what they have against their targets, right? Against the alleged perpetrators. And I have to say, when we go full circle here, and we're talking about collusion with Russia and their attempt to, to defeat Hillary and elect Trump. There's absolutely nothing in any of these papers. Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877 381 
3811. Wow, an Obama line group paid law firm that hired Fusion GPS to create dossier. Oh. So you have Obama's group putting money into this. You have Hillary's campaign putting money into this. You have the DNC putting money into this. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is a massive scandal. This is a massive scandal. The Democrats, the sitting president, the would-be Democrat president, using a pass-through, a law firm, then going to a uh, ex-British spy, who then works with, among others, the Kremlin, Kremlin apparatchiks. They produce this dossier, which is basically 35 pages of trash. They're pushing it out in the media. They give it to the FBI. The FBI director, Comey, finds it uh, very compelling. He wants to pay for Mr. Steele to do more work. Problem is, it's it's revealed to the media, uh, this dossier, and, and some of the people who are behind it. And then Mr. Comey tries to cover his tracks, and they drop it. Meanwhile, Mr. Comey, who leaks to the New York Times... Probably other leaks, a disreputable, absolutely disreputable person. He pushes to get a special counsel appointed, and the special counsel is appointed, and it happens to be Robert Mueller, his buddy. Now, you can call this a conspiracy. There's nothing, it's not a conspiracy, it's out in the open. It's a fact. You know, you do whatever it takes to protect your family, right? But one simple mistake could land you with a mountain of legal fees, a lifetime behind bars, or worse. Owning a gun for protection shouldn't be intimidating, overwhelming, or confusing. Heck, it's your right. That's why I've joined forces with the United States Concealed Carry Association to give you, my listeners, their complete concealed carry and family defense guide 100% free. It's 164 pages of life-saving information you can't find anywhere else. Your free guide will help you understand confusing gun laws. Responsibly own and store a gun, even if you have little kids. Train for real-life scenarios. Survive the murky waters of the legal system and a lot more. Get everything you need to know from the experts in one convenient place. Just go to DefendThem.com right now to begin your simple and rewarding journey to concealed carry and home defense confidence. And if you hurry, you'll also get the complete audio version of Bonus Home Defense Checklists, 100% free. So go to, while you can, go to DefendThem.com right now for free instant access. That's DefendThem.com, DefendThem.com. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there was a man who was once Speaker of the House. Rumor had it he was a big drunk. Rumor had it he had a very foul mouth. And then he'd, when he'd been drinking, he could be very, very angry. Rumor had it that he uh, worked with Barack Obama behind the scenes to undermine the conservatives in Congress to support sequestration like his buddy Mitch McConnell, which resulted in the near evisceration of the United States military. And that man's name is John Boehner. Now, John Boehner, it's his second year anniversary, they call it, of his leaving House of Representatives, and I'm very proud of my role in forcing this miscreant out of office. Uh, he wasted all those years as Speaker of the House. And he didn't interview with Politico. Well, who else? What else? I mean, Politico is the go-to place for these lousy, loser, phony Republicans. 
in the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. And uh, John Bonehead, I mean John Boehner, <clears throat> he uh, he was all he did this long interview. If you print it out, it's like 30 pages. And they have pictures of him, you know, cutting his lawn and in his garage and lifting up his uh, lawnmower. I wouldn't allow my kids to lift up their lawnmower the way he did. You can cut your hand, cut your finger off, much like uh, the creepy ballerina, the mayor of uh, Chicago, Rahm Emanuel. Anyway, this chain-smoking, heavy-drinking, foul-mouthed buffoon did this long interview. And he says on former Representative Jason Chavitz, quote, total phony with Chavitz, it's always about Chavitz. On Freedom Caucus Chair Jim Jordan, a great patriot, he called him a legislative terrorist. Former uh, Majority Leader Tom DeLay, <clears throat> he said, we were never close. Matter of fact, half the stab wounds in my back are from him. Listen to this idiot. On former Senator Jim DeMitt, he ran Heritage into the ground. Heritage was a respected conservative think tank, and he turned it into some half-assed political operation. Now, this is a man who has nothing nasty to say about Barack Obama. They're buddies. Ted Cruz, he's the most miserable SOB I've ever had to deal with. And Mark Meadows, who's one of the nicest guys I've ever met, the head of the uh, chairman of the Freedom Caucus now, He's an idiot. I can't tell you what makes him tick. Then, of course, he talks about me. He despises me because I helped orchestrate his removal from office. Who was that right-wing guy, Levin? He went really crazy right and got a big audience. And he dragged Hannity to the dark side. He dragged Rush to the dark side. And he went on to say, you know, he used to talk to Hannity, he used to play golf with Rush when he would come down to Palm Beach, but I poisoned Rush and Sean to Boehner. First of all, Rush and Sean think for themselves. They think for themselves. They don't need me to do anything. But I don't blame Boehner for despising me because the feeling is mutual. He helped blow the ceiling off our budgets. He helped blow the ceiling off the debt. All these things Obama did. More and more we learn of the close association of Boehner and Obama behind the scenes. But here's the thing that I haven't read to you. Throughout this interview, Boehner's dropping the F word. F this, F that, F this, F that. There's no respect for the people who are going to be reading this piece. He had no respect for you. He was a fraud from day one. A fraud from day one. He viewed the social conservatives as a joke. He viewed the constitutional and traditional conservatives as a joke. And I don't know what this man ever accomplished. I really don't. But he does this long interview with Politico magazine, and he just trashes colleague after colleague, conservative group after conservative group, talk radio and all the rest of it. Aren't you glad he's gone? The only reason Politico would go back to interview a, a miscreant like this a slobbering buffoon, a foul-mouthed, chain-smoking, slobbering buffoon. The only reason they would go by, back and do an interview with this is because they know he's a slobbering, chain-smoking, foul-mouthed buffoon who will trash his former colleagues, trash talk radio, trash conservatism. You see, Mr. Boehner, and I use Mr. cautiously, you see, Mr. Boehner, 
It's not the dark side. It's called the conservative movement. And you became speaker as a result of the conservative movement and the Tea Party. And he came to despise the Tea Party, too. But look who he attacks. Mark Meadows, Cruz, DeMint, DeLay, uh, Jordan, among others. Levin, Hannity, Limbaugh, uh, and on and on and on. So uh, he's angling, uh, you know, like Bob Corker and Jeff Flake and John McCain for the, uh, uh, you know, for the top media billing as the Republican you go to to trash conservatives. Let's take a call here. Let's see. Let me pull up the call screen. Rob Edgewater, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Uh, I want to talk about the ties to CNN, the yes. CIA. And to uh, uh, the so-called dossier, CNN's reporting on the dossier was led by CNN correspondent Evan Perez. His reporting all favorable, all pushing the credibility of Fusion GPS. CNN hyped it continuously, and Perez's reporting relied largely on unnamed sources. So what's Perez's undisclosed... Let, let me just explain. Now, basically, you are uh, providing a synopsis of the excellent reporting by the Daily Caller. That, sees, that that reported uh, two or three days ago, over the weekend, about these CNN undisclosed ties to Fusion GPS. Go ahead. Right. So basically, everyone at Fusion GPS came from the Wall Street Journal, uh, with the uh, exception of one other gentleman who came from the Wall Street Journal who went to work at CNN, which is Perez. The whole thing mm-hmm. stinks. Mm-hmm. And when you suddenly realize the connection between the CIA and uh, CNN, you have Anderson Cooper, who interned at the CIA. We had, for the first time in our elections, we had uh, uh, Mitchell and John uh, 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 Brennan come out and more or less endorse Hillary. So now we're sitting here with people at MI6 who is now feeding information to Fusion GPS that then shows up on CNN. All right, sir, thank you for your call. Yes, yes, we know. And there's been a whole article written about this. Um, And um, these ties between the media and Fusion GPS, these Wall Street Journal reporters, CNN and Fusion GPS. You can go to this Daily Caller piece. Matter of fact, let me hit this very quickly. Let me, uh, I've got it right here. CNN's undisclosed ties to Fusion GPS, Chuck Ross and Peter Hassan. CNN's reporting on the Trump Russia dossier has left out at least one crucial fact. The close ties between the network and the opposition research firm at the center of the dossier controversy. CNN's reporting on the dossier, led by justice correspondent Evan Perez, has been favorable to the firm Fusion GPS and hyped the dossier's credibility. Left out of Perez's reporting, which has relied largely on unnamed sources, is his personal closeness to Fusion GPS operatives. Fusion has repeatedly been described in Senate testimonies as a smear-for-hire operation uh, that manufactures misleading or false media narratives for its clients. Glenn Simpson, the Fusion co-founder most often associated with the dossier, is used to working on stories with Perez. As reporters at the Wall Street Journal, Perez and Simpson regularly co-authored stories on national security. Another Fusion founder, Tom Catton, C-A-T-A-N, worked as a reporter for the journal as the same time as Perez and Simpson. The third Fusion co-founder, Peter Fritsch, 
worked above Perez and Simpson as the senior national security editor. Simpson and Fritch left the Wall Street Journal in 2011 to launch Fusion GPS. Perez jumped from the paper to CNN in 2013. Another longtime journal reporter, Neil King, left the paper to join Fusion in December 2016. So you have these four reporters for Fu- that are with Fusion GPS. They jumped the Wall Street Journal. You have this fifth reporter who used to work for the Wall Street Journal. He jumped to CNN. Photos posted to Facebook underscore the personal closeness between Perez and the Fusion GPS operatives. One photo posted by Perez shows King, who left the journal for Fusion in 2016, <coughs> excuse me, and another man posing for a picture at the bullpen, an outdoor bar right outside the Washington National Stadium. I wonder if they saw John Boehner there, by the way. The bullpen is a popular fan destination before baseball games. King is shown wearing a shirt with the Nationals name and logo across the front. The photo was posted in August 2016, four months before King joined Fusion GPS. This is this photo with King, who just left the Wall Street Journal to join Fusion GPS, and Perez, who left the Wall Street Journal to work for CNN. In other words, they're buddies. Another photo from September 2015 shows Perez, the new the CNN reporter from the Wall Street Journal, King, the former Wall Street Journal reporter, and Fusion co-founder Peter Fritsch, the former Wall Street Journal reporter. In 2011, the same year that Fritsch co-founded Fusion, Perez posted two photos on Facebook. You get the drift. Simpson's wife, Mary Jacoby, bragged about his role in the dossier in a lengthy June 2017 Facebook post reviewed by the Daily Caller. Jacoby claimed that some people still don't realize what Glenn's role was in exposing Putin's control over Trump. CNN's coverage of the dossier has been relatively soft. CNN anchor Jake Tapper, usually known for his aggressive coverage, gave Fusion a pass while reporting on the story Wednesday evening. And it goes on. You can see the sleazy, incestuous relationship. I have a word for this. Collusion. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We can't have the inmates running the prison. That's what the uh, owner of the Houston team said, apparently in a uh, meeting of owners. As reported by ESPN, he has since apologized. He's also clarified he wasn't talking about the players. He was talking about the NFL uh, and the owners. But there's an old line, not about the inmates running the prison, but the inmates running the asylum. There's nothing racist about that phrase whatsoever. Nothing racist about that phrase whatsoever. What, what really bothers me, even putting this aside, is we, is we have people on the left, all races, all backgrounds, all, all professions and so forth, on the left, who seem to want there to be racism. You got an old guy who says the inmates are running the prison. <clears throat> the, the actual phrase is the inmates are running the asylum, right? And uh, as far as I know, this owner doesn't have any evidence of any any uh, racism. I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that his general manager is an African American. 
Now, if you're an owner and you're racist, why would you have a general manager who's an African-American? So people project these things because, because it, 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 it's easy. It's non-thinking. It makes a, uh, a political statement. <clears throat> uh, it drives an ideology. I don't know who this owner is. McNair, is that his name? I don't know a damn thing about this guy. But, uh, you know, I observe these things and I comment on them. That's what I do behind this microphone. Just things are so out of kilter. I mean, racism is racism. Do we have to, you know, try to create it and concoct it? Of course racism exists. But that statement by that guy, everybody knows he didn't mean that. Everybody knows what, uh, in terms of a race situation, everybody knows what he meant. Is it inarticulate? Under these circumstances today, yes, you've got to be extremely careful. So most of the team kneeled. Wow, what a statement. In need of great talent for your business but short on time? Well, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire, you know. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. And with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting it. So you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, you, my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. Go. Oh, I thought we were taking a break. I don't have the right clock. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, I want to play this from Angus King. Who's Angus King? First of all, his parents obviously didn't love him because they named him after a a cow. But I want you to hear Angus King. He's a so-called independent from Maine. Now, why is this important? It's important because he's really a left-wing Democrat, and he doesn't care about the uranium deal. They don't care about the uranium deal. Instead, they care about some schnook who pled to uh, false statements, uh, and now they're running around calling that collusion. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Angus King. is another independent fraud from Maine. He's a liberal Democrat. What about this Uranium One stuff, Mr. King? What do you think about that? Cut 10, go. 
Well, I think the the House, uh, one of the House committees has already begun an oversight uh, committee hearing. I always think oversight hearings are appropriate. Uh, I've been trying to understand this deal. I think the important thing that I learned in reading the background is the the company uh, changed hands, but the uranium that's mined in the United States cannot leave the United States. Uh, so it wasn't really the sale of uranium; it was the sale of a of a mining and and manufacturing company. Okay, this is this is the latest. It's sale of uranium because the Russians control 20% of America's uranium. They can withhold it from our use. Um, And as you know, one pocket can be filled and another pocket emptied. They control 20%. Not only that, they have sought to control the transporting of that uranium within our borders, within the United States. That's what a lot of these, these issues about the kickbacks and all the rest of it was to control the transporting as well, how it could be transported and so forth. But what Mr. Angus King doesn't say is, what prevents the Russians from moving the uranium around? And he sees no big deal here. None. That's Angus King. All right, I don't normally get into this stuff, but there's so much of it going on, it's hard to ignore it. I've never been a big Kevin Spacey fan. I've always considered him kind of an arrogant guy, and, so, and I'm not, I don't watch stuff on Netflix that much. And But all kinds of weird stuff broke out over the weekend. This is from uh, the New York Slimes. The art section. Why is it in the art section? Shouldn't it be on the front page of the news section? Kevin Spacey criticized for using apology to Anthony Rapp to come out. Kevin Spacey evaded questions about his sexuality for years. I didn't think there was any question. I just sang. Insisting it was a private matter, even as Hollywood gossip surrounded him. On Sunday, the celebrated actor confirmed what had long been whispered. I choose now to live as a gay man, he wrote. But some of those who might have supported him were instead incensed by the implication that his sexuality was relevant to an accusation reported by BuzzFeed News that he'd made a sexual advance toward a 14-year-old boy 31 years ago. What the hell's going on in Hollywood? It's just, it's, it's really a, a cesspool. They saw his coming out story as an intentional distraction from the accusation and a damaging conflation of homosexuality and pedophilia. The sentiment expressed by Mr. Eichner, an actor, where he wrote, Kevin Spacey's just invented something that has never existed before, a bad time to come out. Uh, and that was shared across Hollywood and the gay community as people criticized the timing and tactics of Mr. Spacey's response. Some also directed ire at news organizations that appeared to focus more on Mr. Spacey's coming out than the sexual misconduct accusations. On Sunday, BuzzFeed News reported that Anthony Rapp, an actor, said Mr. Spacey had made a sexual advance toward him in 1986 when he was 14 years old. He said that Mr. Spacey was then 26, had picked him up, placed him on a bed, and climbed on top of him. Mr. Spacey did not offer a comment to BuzzFeed, but surely after the story was published, he released a statement in which he said he did not recall the encounter. 
Quote, but if I did behave then as he describes, I owe him the sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate drunken behavior, he said in a statement. Now that is the kind of statement where you sit around with your publicists and your manager and, and you're trying to figure out what to say. You're trying to figure out what to say. While coming out is often met with support by peers, this is the New York Times, fans and gay rights activists, the response was far different from Mr. Spacey. Coming out stories should not be used to deflect from allegations of sexual assault, Saren Kate Ellis, President, Chief Executive GLAAD, a gay rights organization, sent a statement. This is not a coming out about story about Kevin Spacey, but a story of survivorship by Anthony Rapp, and all those who bravely speak out against unwanted sexual advances, the media and public should not gloss over that. George Takei, who oh my, who used his large social media following to advocate social justice causes, sent in an emailed statement that Mr. Rapp's accusations were about power, not sexuality. Well, actually, Mr. Takei, they're about both. Men who improperly harass or assault do not do so because they are gay or straight. That is a deflection. They do so, well, my point is, well, of course it's about sexuality. It's about power, too. But if you want to sexually assault a young boy, whatever your preference is, that's about power and sexuality. They do so because they have the power and they choose to abuse it. Zachary Quinto, I'm so out of it. I don't even know who half these actors are. I'm, I'm just being honest. An actor said in a statement that Mr. Spacey had come out not as a point of pride that could inspire children, but as a calculated manipulation to deflect attention from the very serious accusation that he attempted to molest one. I am sorry that Kevin only saw fit to acknowledge his truth when he thought it would serve him, just as his denial served him for so many years, he said. It's getting a little freaky for me. I'm not even understanding half this stuff. The broader picture is this. Look at these big actors and actresses. Look how these big actors who, for instance, knew about Harvey Weinstein for years, if not for decades, never said a word. We're happy to work for him. We're happy to take his money. We're happy to socialize him. And I, I cannot believe, and of course the media will take its darn damn little time, if at all, to uh, disclose the number of big heavyweight Democrats, you know, like Hillary and the rest of them, who work so closely with Hollywood and Obama, work so closely with Weinstein and never heard a whisper. They have these Hollywood actors and actresses stay at the White House overnight. They party with them. They fundraise with them. And never, no one ever said anything to Obama. No one ever said anything to Hillary Clinton. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And there have been, if not rumors, flat-out allegations about pedophilia in Hollywood. I'm sure by straight and gay people, but pedophilia in Hollywood. There have been allegations before, and they've been largely ignored. It really is a, uh, well, it's disgusting. Anyway, there, I, I, I discussed it. Donna, Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to speak to you about uh, Trump and, and Manafort and the whole phony thing going on. The one person whose name I'm not hearing is Jeff Sessions. And I keep thinking, where on earth is... I know, but Donna, I get this call all the time, and you know I don't know the answer. 
Okay, well... Maybe he is conducting investigations. Maybe he's not announcing them. Maybe he's not. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, it just makes me question the whole thing, but I'm concerned about the Obama leftovers that are probably... I, I have a better question. Where is a Rob Rosenstein? He's in charge of Mueller. He's the at- acting attorney general for purposes of overseeing the special prosecutors. Andy McCarthy and I discussed earlier tonight, and we've discussed before, and I've mentioned before, the 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 writ of authority, if you will, that... Rosenstein gave to Mueller is so broad that it is utterly preposterous. We have basically a national prosecutor who will decide what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, who he can hire, what his budget is, how long he's going to do it. That's about as as contrary to our constitutional system as you can imagine. Correct. So where is Rosenstein, who is the acting attorney general for these purposes? Yeah, and then we've got the uh, the Communist News Network uh, actors and actresses on there touting all this nonsense, and it is beyond frustrating to us. Well, I must confess, I don't watch it. We have clips from them now and then for entertainment purposes or for foil purposes to expose the left and their uh, and their media front organizations. But you know, the best way to have uh, uh, mental sanity is not to watch them. Donna, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you. Anthony, Hoboken, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Yes, Mark. This yes. Uh, little conversation we're about to have confirms that you were right, that we were we were sold a bill of goods when it comes to John Barreg Boehner. He was working with the Democrats. We know that by the kiss he got from Pelosi. Remember that song, Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours? Oh, yes. That's what happened there. That gavel was given to him by the Democrat Party. And now we know it for sure. This guy is a creep. He's a Boy, and I, look how foul-mouthed he is. I mean, I, I'm not a prude. I'm not a Pollyanna. I don't talk that way. But if you have a reporter from a left-wing operation, and you know they're going to write down every syllable of what you say, F this and F that, and this guy's a this and this guy's that, i I got to believe he wasn't sober. He never was sober. That's why he took the job. He's a traitor. He colluded with the Democrats. All right, my friend. Anthony, appreciate your call, buddy. Let's see. Michael, Atlanta, Georgia, the great W-Y-A-Y. Go. Hello, Mark. Thank you. Mueller is having the power of Stalin's henchman Berea and using similar tactics. Show me the man, I'll show you the crime he committed. But he's really come up short, and I think his indictment is really an act of desperation as it looked as if the tables were being turned on him and he was going to be forced to focus on the real scandal. So I wonder what you thought about... So your point is he he's intentionally distracting from the uranium scandal, which ensnares him. Yeah. Well, it is an interesting point. Why bring an indictment now and then leak it all weekend long? It's under seal by order of a federal court, a federal judge, and yet it's leaked to the New York Times, which seems to be the favorite place where these guys go. And uh, that and CNN and the Washington Compost. I mean, there's... Uh, I mean... Uh, there could be some truth to this because Mueller decided when he was going to uh, seek an indictment from the grand jury. The grand jury doesn't do it on its on its own. So you could be right about the timing. I, you know, I don't put anything past these guys anymore. Yeah, but he, he uh, I think this is the best he could do. 
But um, well, let me I, say this: it's the best he could do in these cases. I'm sure he has other things up his sleeve. Well, he may, but uh, I wonder if uh, I mean he doesn't look real good at having uh, ignored uh, Uranium One. No, he he doesn't look real good at all, which is one of the reasons why the media are giving him a pass. They never mention him in context of Uranium One if they mention Uranium One at all. Yeah, I think this is the equivalent of getting this into the show trial of not public opinion but uh, media opinion. And but, uh, but 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 look but look at how the media cover these indictments. What I'm saying is I'm not a special pleader. If they're guilty of stuff, they're going to be, you know, found guilty and all the rest of it. What I'm saying is, but when when you look at this as objectively as you can with a thoughtful mind and some experience and so forth, as I have tried today and as Andy McCarthy has tried today and so forth. You see the, the overcharging, the double charging on certain alleged offenses. You see the money laundering. You gotta be able to prove that the money in the first place was, was criminally, uh, uh, gotten. There's just other things in here. I'm not saying that, that, that it won't wind up one way or another. What I'm saying is, just from an objective standpoint, this is not a strong indictment, particularly when you're a special counsel and your objective is to charge people with crimes related to collusion with Russia. There's none of that. There's none of it. And some of these people are right. You hear commentators say, well, he really wants to stick it to uh, to Manafort, so he'll turn on Trump. That assumes that he's going to stick it to Manafort, try and crush this man's will to get Manafort to conduct himself as a puppet, to do whatever the prosecutor says. And that's not justice. All right, Michael. Appreciate your call, buddy. We'll be right back. in. Quantico, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Hi, Mark. Yeah, I uh, I call myself a conservative. I I cannot. I'm not a Republican. I, I, these guys have left me. I haven't changed. They have. And John Boehner is one of the top five five reasons I don't call myself a Republican. Pretty nasty guy, isn't he? With that mouth of his and how he's trashing his former color. I mean, who who does stuff like this? Well, he's... He's a yeah, lightweight. He really is a lightweight. He's a reformed crybaby. Mm-hmm. And now, he, uh, now he's a foul mouth. Yeah, I, I, I have no use for these guys. He's sort of Hillary Clinton in drag, if you will. Male drag. Yeah. <laughs> wonder if he's going to write a book. Yeah, probably. Maybe he yeah. did, and we just don't know about it. Be real famous with the media in Hollywood and, you know, follow the uh, John McCain path where you're always kowtowing to the media just to get attention. Mm-hmm. And All right. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Gary Waynesboro, Virginia, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Just fine, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yes, sir. There's two, there's two people that are really flying under the radar here, and I think it's John Brennan and James Clapper. Those guys are up to their eyeballs in this thing, and... They've been deflecting. Uh, well, Clapper's been the only one that's gone out on, on the television circuits and uh, gone around uh, bashing Trump and what have you. But Brennan is a, a Muslim Brotherhood sympathizer, and I just it just seems like everybody up there is the enemy of the state. 
and it's getting very, very frustrating. All right, sir, thanks for your call. I don't know if he's a Muslim brother sympathizer or not. I just don't know. Uh, I do know that at one point he was a communist. And, you know, there used to be a question in order to get a job for a civil service position. Uh, and they would ask you, "Have you, are you or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I don't know if they still do, but if you had said yes or they found out the answer was yes, you could not qualify under any circumstances unless the president himself intervened for a federal civil service job. Uh, the Obama administration uh, actually found that as an alluring qualification. And, of course, 45% of the Democrats voting in the uh, Democrat primaries found that an alluring qualification for Bernie Sanders may not have been a member of the Communist Party, but uh, that's just a bureaucratic thing when it comes to him. Carla, Rogersville, Alabama, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, oh, my gosh, this is a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Go right ahead. Well, um... You know, I've been wondering, um, as I watch Trey Gowdy, uh, you know, he's a Republican there. Uh, I'm just wondering why he favors um, Robert Mueller so much still to this day. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know, but I've always found Trey, Trey Gowdy to give uh, good speeches, if not contradictory speeches. Uh, and to get bad haircuts. But other than that, I'm not that impressed with him. By the way, John Boehner loves him. In that long interview, he loves Trey Gowdy. So what does that tell you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I shall return. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is parochial to many of you, but as I sit in the Commonwealth of Virginia most days, I watch TV, I've seen ads now run by this organization against the Republican running for governor, Ed Gillespie. And the ad being run by left-wing Democrats is perhaps the most racist ad I've ever seen. It basically has Ed Gillespie uh, as a white supremacist. You got these guys in a pickup truck with a Ed Gillespie sticker on their car and a Confederate flag driving, really, to run over uh, various kids from various minority groups. This is what the left and the Democrats, they do not want to have a debate on the ideas. They do not want to expose the radicalism. And what's so racist and offensive about this is the Democrats and the people running this ads, they're the racists. They want Muslims to believe. They want Latinos to believe. They want African Americans to believe that Ed Gillespie is part of this white supremacist movement and that they support him. And this is how they hope to get their vote out. It's so demeaning of Muslims and African Americans and Latinos and other minorities. It's so demeaning of them, that is the Democrats and the leftists, that it really ought to backfire on them. Gillespie's considered a moderate Republican. On immigration, he's far more to the left than I am. And to 
take this guy and turn him into a white supremacist is really quite appalling. It's disgusting. And yet this is where the Democrats are. Conveying 20% control of our uranium to the Russians, no consequence, no matter whatsoever. But anything they can try and twist into a major issue, they will twist into a major issue. But these ads that they're running, they're racist ads. The liberals and the Democrats are running racist ads. They've even been called out by some newspapers for it. Which is shocking. I want to tell you about a great sponsor. Captira. It's spelled just like it sounds. Cap, C-A-P, Tira, T-E-R-R-A. Here's something that I've realized. There's a software solution to just about every business need. You can find yours at captira.com. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, such as churches and synagogues and so forth, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, whomever you are, however big you are, whether you're for-profit, non-profit, Captira's got you covered. Captira has over 400 categories of business software for you to choose from. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and well beyond. Captira makes it easy to find what you're looking for. They have thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you. So you really know what the best software is in the particular category you're looking for. Captira makes it easy to find whatever you're looking for. Best of all, using Captira, listen, absolutely free. It's free. Captira connects you with the business software that will help you do what you do better. Visit captira.com slash Levin. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. Just check it out phonetically. Captira.com slash Levin. L-E-V-I-N. Check it out today. Join the millions of people who use Captira. That's Captira. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Levin. Captira.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Honestly, check it out right now. It's just an incredible service. It really is. All right, let's see what's cooking. Let us see what's cooking. We have a great uh, guest right now who's a friend of mine who runs a wonderful website called Legal Insurrection. And uh, he contacted me about something that took place at uh, one of these uh, wonderful universities, uh, this smear effort, smear effort before he, he spoke at Vassar College. And he has talked and spoken at Vassar College before. He's a right-of-center individual. He's a very thoughtful, temperate individual. He runs a wonderful website, Legal Insurrection. And there was an organized effort to absolutely destroy his reputation. Bill Jacobson, how are you, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me on. Tell everybody what took place, Bill. Sure. As you know, I teach law at Cornell Law School, and I teach a variety of things in the investment field, but I also have recently been studying the issue of free speech on campuses. It's been something I've been covering for years at my website. And so I was invited to speak at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'd spoken there before about academic freedom. I was invited by the Vassar Conservative Libertarian Union, which you can imagine is all of 15 or 20 people at Vassar College out of 2,400, so very brave students. And they invited me to speak on the topic of hate speech, quote-unquote hate speech, and free speech, and essentially describe for the student body what that means, how the Constitution protects free speech, even speech we don't like, even speech that's disgusting, is still protected by the First Amendment. So we scheduled this, 
and the campus flipped out. They started accusing me of all sorts of nasty things. They accused me of being a uh, danger to the students, that I was going to bring neo-Nazis and white supremacists with me to target students. They had a meeting of close to 300 students, faculty, and uh, staff to talk about how to protect the campus from me and my supposed supporters. And as you mentioned, I'm none of those things. I'm just your fairly average, right-of-center, traditional conservative who believes in the Constitution. And it was just an absolute feeding frenzy. And it got even worse than that, because what happened is the Vassar Student Association, which is the student government, even demanded that the president of Vassar shut me down and refuse and breach their contract with me to appear and speak and refuse to allow me to speak. And it just turned into a fiasco. Now, at the end of the day, the president of Vassar did allow me to speak. And at the end of the day, we had a jam-packed auditorium of over 200 students with students in the hallway because they actually wanted to hear what I had to say. And we had a great discussion. But I think this proves a bigger point, which is what's happening to mainstream conservatives on college campuses is they're trying to turn us all into uh, some hideous person like Richard Spencer, the, you know, white supremacist guy. Anyone who is right of censor is being demonized and trying to be kept shut down, shut up, kept off campus by these exaggerations and these lies that are spread about them. And so I think it's just so typical of what's happening on college campuses. Professor Jacobson, this seems, I mean, it's not a one-off. This is going on college campus after college campus. Uh, We're talking about individuals, you, Ben Shapiro, uh, Dr. Murray, other people like that who are not, you know, crackpots or anything of the sort, traditional conservatives. There's a whole intimidation campaign going on, isn't there? Absolutely. Who would want to come to a campus like Vassar, like I did, and have 300 people hold a meeting accusing you of all these false things, making false statements of fact that you are placing announcements on white supremacist websites and you're bringing those people with you and you're targeting minority students. Absolute falsehoods. Who would want to be dragged through the mud like that? And that's really the point here. What they want to do is they want to scare people away. They want to scare conservative speakers away from campuses. And I think it's having an impact. And that's really what's going on here is that it's creating an atmosphere of intimidation. And so even if they didn't end up shutting me down despite their best efforts, it sends a message to everybody else, to other conservative speakers, and it sends a message to conservative students. I mean, conservative students on a lot of these campuses are among the bravest people you'll meet, at, at least in academia, because every time they open their mouths, they're called names, they're vilified, uh, rules are applied to them that don't get applied to other people. And so when they have the, you know, the uh, desire to bring somebody like me to They know that they are going to face a price, and they are going to be targeted as well as the speaker. And that's what's going on, because campuses have no diversity of thought, very few conservatives, and there's a conscientious effort to uh, drive conservatives off the campus and out of the the public dialogue there. You know, uh, Professor, there there are some old-time liberals who fight for free speech, your speech or my speech or whatever, 
But they're fewer and fewer in number. There seems to be sort of a new left, radical left movement among students and among faculty, and it's growing, is it not? It is. It's because what you and I think of as old-time liberalism, and at least on First Amendment issues, we probably share a lot in agreement with them, but they have been replaced by social justice warriors, social justice warriors among the student body, social justice warriors among faculty in many places. Everything is activism. Everything is this so-called intersectionality, that all struggles are related, and of course the main struggle they have is against capitalism in our current system. And all of these things, it's so politicized that there aren't a lot of old-fashioned pro-First Amendment, pro-free uh, speech liberals left on campuses to speak up for people like you and me. They're, they're all gone. They've been replaced by either faculty who mostly remain silent. Not a single faculty member that I'm aware of spoke up in defense of my right to appear and to speak at Vassar's campus. Maybe it took place privately, but certainly not publicly. And uh, there weren't very many students who spoke up in my defense either. And that's really the problem, is that the, the good people have been cowed into silence, and the bad people run the show there. And most of the students at a place like Vassar are interested in learning. They really are. If you saw the 200 people in the room where I was speaking and how I gave a 45-minute speech, we had an almost an hour-and-a-half question-and-answer session. And while I don't think they agreed with me on a lot of things, we had that back and forth. There is a real desire on college campuses for a diversity of opinion as part of education. The problem is that the loudmouths and the big mouths and the social justice warriors really have intimidated just about everybody, including in many cases administrations well professor william jacobson legal insurrection that's where you write that's your baby tell everybody about your website sure my website is a center-right website we cover politics and law we've been doing this since 2008 we're very appreciative that we have a good following that uh, a lot of what we write gets posted elsewhere and we have a great comment community and we cover basically politics from a, a, a center-right sort of perspective. We're not, we're not necessarily Republican. We're conservatives. And we try to stick to those principles whenever we can. Excellent. All right, Professor, we appreciate that very much for you uh, informing us what took place there. So you be well. Great. Take care. All right. God bless. And we'll be right back. Mark in. things that uh, worries me big time is with all this focus on Russia, 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 and by the way, I believe Russia is a major threat to the United States. There's almost no focus on China, China, China. And I don't mean from a, you know, tariffs point of view and so forth. I'm talking about a national security point of view. They just uh, made Xi the effective dictator of the country, as powerful as Mao Zedong was, they say. He's been locking up, or worse, any competition, any opposition. Uh, and he's now been voted the all-powerful, uh, you know, uh, dictator of China. And he has committed the country to being the number one superpower in the world within 20 or 30 years. We can't even get our military properly funded. We can't even secure our borders. 
Um, and we can't do those things that are necessary to unleash our economy. So the American people are more prosperous than ever before. Instead, uh, we got football players kneeling. We've got uh, crap going on in Hollywood. Uh, we got Mr. Mueller running around. All, all these internal battles over nothing, over concoctions, over figments of imaginations. And China's on the move. And this is very, very serious. Anyway, I wanted to point that out. Uh, as we approach the one-year anniversary of the launch of CRTV, the nation's fastest-growing digital network, and by the way, Levin TV is approaching its second-year anniversary in March, we're even more steadfast in our mission to provide you the most thought-provoking and patriotic TV platform available anywhere. This is why we work so hard to bring you almost 200 episodes of Levin TV every year. I think we're over 350 now. And you can watch them all, current and previous, with your incredibly affordable subscription to CRTV. And what does CRTV stand for? Conservative Review TV. You can also watch Phil Robertson's fantastic, completely unfiltered new show, In the Woods with Phil. And I'll tell you what, I interviewed Phil Robertson, never met him before, never had any lengthy conversation with him before, and he and I hit it off. This guy is really, really good. And if that's not enough, there's new features like the CRTV White House Brief, the Morning Grinders, the Hilarious Get Off My Lawn, and a, and a lot more. You got our buddy Steve Crowder, our dear friend Michelle Malkin. You got Steve Dace. You got many, many wonderful hosts. Now, all these programs are in stunning high definition, 100% commercial free, and they're all available to you anytime, 24-7. It's time to start binge-watching programs you can feel good about. And you can start doing that today by signing up to CRTV.com. That's CRTV.com. Or give us a call, toll-free line, 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. You can also give it as a gift. Just, It's so wonderful what we're doing. I just want you to participate in it. I really do. And we've kept the prices as low as we possibly can, given all of our overhead and technology and studios and all the rest. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's really done for those of you who, who feel there's simply not enough promotion of American values and beliefs, Americanism and patriotism and liberty. And, and all the hosts are different. I'm very different than Phil Robertson. He's very different than Stephen Crowder and so forth and so on. So I know you're going to love CRTV. Go to CRTV.com or call 844-LEVIN-TV. Kathy, Springfield, Missouri, the great KSGF. Go. I want to back up with an anecdotal experience that your guest speaker is absolutely correct, that the conservative voice is being squelched on the campus. All right. We have a little bit of time. Go for it. Okay. My son was told that he could not use religion as a topic in a persuasive speech. However, in another class on his midterm exam, he was asked two questions, one of which he, he answered you the question. One question was, my white privilege and how it affects me in the world. The other was my role as a white male and how mm. it affects the rest of society in a negative way. You know, we, we, we have to do, we're going to have to figure out something, Kathy. I got, as I t say, I've got to give this more focused, more concentrated thought. There has to be a way to break up this ideological monopoly on our college campuses. 
I'm not attacking academic freedom. I'm not attacking free speech. Quite the contrary. A, a, a view that devours all the other views by, by, uh, not by persuasion, by threats of, um, of violence, by threats of low grades and all the rest of it has to be challenged and has to be changed. And what I mean by that is we need more competition of ideas and speech. We need to break up uh, some of this tenured professor stuff. We need to break up this incestuous uh, hiring that takes place, uh, Ivy League professors hiring Ivy League prof- uh, would-be hire, uh, Ivy League professors. This is going on. I wrote extensively about it in a chapter in my book, um, you know, Plunder and Deceit. You ought to check that chapter out in Plunder and Deceit on Education, too. It's, uh, it's quite revealing. Thank you, Kathy. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Look, I'll be on Hannity tomorrow night around 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Levin TV tomorrow night. And right back here on the radio tomorrow as well. See you then. God bless.